for, for a nice little cake that you take out of the oven, Daniel. And it smells glorious and it smells delicious. That's what those two are right now. It's, dare I say, it's Tiger Woods-esque. It's my confidence meter broke, the needle broke. Jim Chaney and Tiger Woods have so many things in common. Daniel, you're just buying a bill of goods that somebody's selling you. I'm sorry, do I, do I want to continue living? Clint, and listen, I got reprimanded by one of our listeners because I was complaining. Was there a graphic of a cartoon caricature of Rick Neuheisel next to this? Because when that comes up on the screen, Clint, I shut it all down. Uh, also, how come I picture Jake Fromm's aunt as a librarian? You ripped our thumb off and shoved it in our eyeball? Welcome to Talking Dogs. I'm Clint. And I'm Daniel. And we're two guys who love UGA sports. One of us is from the South. And one of us is from the West Coast. One of us is a lifelong Georgia fan. One is a more recent convert. But we both share a borderline obsessive, often ridiculous desire to see UGA succeed just like you do. This podcast is a place to talk about the dogs the way you would at a tailgate, in your backyard, or over a drink with your friends. Are we insiders? Nah. Do we have lofty recruiting connections? Nope. We are just two guys who love talking about the dogs, so let's talk. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Talking Dogs podcast. I am Daniel. And I'm Clint. And we are feeling really good. Daniel, we're doing this podcast, which is great news for us. This is fantastic news for us because uh, I need an outlet in my life, Clint, to... To just fire hydrant release all of these thoughts and feelings that I have. On, on Thursday, we had a locks episode that was a very short and truncated episode. And we apologize because our previous two went long. And it just turns out uh, we're not going to do a truncated. We were just saving time for this episode is what we were really doing. There are plenty of things to be said about this game, Clint. And not in the, and not in the angry no. Disgruntled sort of way. No, there are some feelings uh, that can only be encapsulated by sheer joy watching that game. Just, we said, mm. we just said right before we went on the air, uh, that game was, it was just a, it was a balm for the soul, Clint, was it not? It's it exactly was, what it was. It was like a, a, a talk with an old friend. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a nice drink on a hot mm. day. It was just, it was exactly what you needed. It was everything that was anticipated, what was needed to turn confidence. The confidence meter is, the needle is broken on that for me, Daniel. Just broken straight off. I'm feeling great about our team right now. And that was exactly, that game exemplified everything I needed to be. 100% agree. And we're going to talk about some of the specific areas where we have some of the specific reasons why we are feeling confident, some of the particular things in which we are feeling uh, extremely confident in. Um, there aren't many warts to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about a few. We want to talk about the defense. We want to talk about the offense. There's plenty to like about both sides mm-hmm. of the ball. Special teams, even we can get into mm-hmm. that. How good is Rodrigo Blankenship, man? That guy just doesn't. That guy don't miss. He doesn't miss Daniel. He said, just... he said you need this field goal to ice the game, make it a seventeen pointer. Oh, you couldn't get me any closer than this. Ain't no thing. I'll just yeah. come. 
you can picture that, like that, that you can picture from coming off the side you know coming to the sidelines and saying like hey hot rod i'm sorry man and he's like you're good man just hold it's that it's no okay it's no big thanks. deal bro thanks for not fumbling again and just letting me kick it just appreciate that <laughs> appreciate just, just appreciate give, the opportunity to give me a shot guys all i need is a shot to knock them through they don't it don't matter man that guy's, gosh he's so good uh, speaking of special teams let's talk about the one war this is i mean there's a couple words we can talk through and maybe it'll come maybe some will bubble out uh, but there's one person on this team that i want to grab a hold of and say you embarrass yourself bro and that's keon richardson on the punt return uh mm. on the block on the punter that would have sent the punt return to the house mm-hmm. completely whiffed on the block on the punter to send us to the house that and then was gets not up beyond finest moment it was, was not. not oh it was so rough uh what are you doing bro like senior you're supposed to be a leader out there you get some playing time outside backer just take care of the punter and let your boy take it to for six Oh, it was so embarrassing. I was yelling in my head. Uh, I couldn't yell out loud. There's a whole story behind that. I had to keep very quiet while I was watching this game. Uh, That's easy but I wanted for you. To erupt. That's easy for you, Clint. Is that <laughs> does that come naturally? <laughs> yes, I uh, I can very calmly sit in a Georgia game and have no expression come out very easily. You're just really more of an observer <laughs> than than anything else in that situation, right? Nailed it. I'm just here to learn, fellas. Just here <laughs> to observe. Pretend I'm not here. Uh, uh, we did Daniel, punch what, it in. We did punch it in on that drive, though. So Ke- we did. Keon, we did. we're good. Just, we're good. Just, we, next time, uh, we'll clean that up. Uh, but Daniel, where do you want to start? Clint, you had some... I think you had some thoughts. There's some... You know, there's so much good to talk about in this game. I guess one mm-hmm. of the big questions that comes out of that is... Is this long-term good? Or was yep. this sort of a one-time thing? Good. You had some thoughts uh, along those lines. I did, Daniel. Uh, so I want to pose a couple things to you, and I want you to answer with this: What I'm about to say is either one here to stay, two one game great. It was a in a vacuum. It was great for this one game, and and let's enjoy it, but let's not see it again. And then one game fluke. It wasn't maybe a point of emphasis or we got caught up in the moment and it just was totally isolated. We got lucky. And we got lucky. Right. Exactly. Okay. Let me start with something that I find very exciting. Here to stay. One game great. One game fluke. Okay. The youth movement on the defensive line, specifically Tyndall, Adam Anderson, Cox, those kind of guys. Is that here to stay a one game great or one game fluke? Wow. Mm-hmm. This is the first thing I have written down on my sheet because this is the most exciting part of the game to me. Mm-hmm. And and listen, there's a guy we're going to get to later in this podcast that is is the most exciting part of our team. Period. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say later I'm gonna say one person that we think should be great is not good at football at all, and one person is our best defensive player right now. But I digress. <clears throat> But these 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 youths, these youths on mm-hmm. the front seven, mm-hmm. um, it was. I mean, I think it was the first series of the game. We yep. stopped them on third down, and I literally said to myself out loud, "Who was that in on that tackle?" And then coming yes. off the field, there's your boy Adam Anderson. 
my boy Adam Anderson. It's the Anderson. first series of the game. Yep. And it's a third down run play. And your boy Adam Anderson is just in there mixing it up with Benny 72-yard Snell. And, Hello. And Adam Anderson said, okay, I'll come in and get some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just went from there. Robert Beal apparently made this trip because, yes, he hello, he's out there making plays. Brenton Cox, my goodness. He came off that offensive lineman with that little spin move. And mm-hmm. then Skinny Legs McGee over there, he How thought. How quick did he close? You know what? I'll just get over here to the sideline and then maybe I'll throw the ball away. No. No. Mm-mm. I'll beat no. you there, bro. Not going to do that. Uh, but but listen, the guy I was most excited about was Channing Tindall. Just that's the yes. guy we've been waiting for. We've been waiting to see him, and we finally saw him. I thought it would be last week after the bye week, mm-hmm. but um, listen, I think I think you're. It's maybe going to be a little bit of a mixed bag in the answer to your question. I think maybe some of this is going to be here to stay. I think some of it may just be this particular situation. I'll say I think um I think all the guys that we talked about are potentially going to factor in this week as well against yeah. Auburn. Yeah. You get to a team like Georgia Tech, I don't know if Adam Anderson's gonna be on the field very much. Uh I don't know how much Brendan Cox is gonna be on the field. You know, because you get Georgia Tech is just a different type of team. I know Kentucky is a running team and all these guys, but but a lot of these guys were in on third downs and passing can, situations. And can you say you're a running team when your top two running threats get 57 yards on the game, Daniel? Can you call yourself a running team at that point? Well, you're not a passing team. No, you're not that. That's true. And you're not a defensive team. No, not, not <laughs> so that. At some you point, get, you have to say something. You, when you get 218 yards from two running backs put on you? Did yeah, you just go, do you just say team? Yeah. You were just a team? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we were there. Um, listen, that youth movement in the front seven, I'm so excited about it. Can I, can, how about a quick moment, how about a quick shout out to my boy, I didn't hear you mention him, Devontae Wyatt. How about Devontae Wyatt in there mixing it up in the trenches? He had a big... He had at least one big stop in the run game. Uh, he played, I thought, really well. I thought he was a guy that, back from a little injury, I think a guy that we maybe really missed in the run yeah. defense. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't wait any longer. I said I was going to wait till later. I can't do it anymore. I, I can't. Big old ninety nine, Daniel. Big Hello. old Haas. Tell me about tell me about him because I don't know if you saw this during the game. Uh, the rotation of youth movement on first and second down. There's all this changing. Come off the sideline. All these jerseys mm-hmm. running on. You know who's not leaving the middle of the field on first and second down with all the change? Nope, not not going to move. He ain't moving. Uh, just like when an offensive lineman tries to double team him, he's not going to move. He ain't going to move. He's just not going to uh, move. He is. Uh, I, I'm going to gush for a moment. On a boy Davis. Gush, permission to gush granted. The last two games, can you name a better defensive lineman we have? No. No. He's our no. best, best of the front seven right now. 
is Davis, and it's not even close. He is a man among boys right now. He's fantastic. I think he is. I think on the line for sure. Um, he has been just such a welcomed addition. Mm-hmm. I think DeAndre Walker might have something to say about the best player in the front seven, but but your point is well taken. Jordan Davis is. He is out kicking his coverage by a wide margin this year. He is outperforming all the expectations. All of them. And even when he comes off the field, I know this is stupid and this is silly. He comes off the field, he takes off his helmet. Uh, The guy is not sweating. And the look on his face is not one of exhaustion. It's like one of, oh, okay, I did my job. Uh, Tell me again when I get to go out and do it again. When do I get to go back? Correct. Um, I'm, I'm here, I'm here to, um, I'll give you a couple more players. Okay. Listen, I think, I think the run defense was the story of the game. It was. I don't think it was the running backs. No. Though, my word, the running backs. But I think it was the run defense. I think something has happened. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm here to tell you. Whether you're asking me or not, I'm here to tell you, it's here to stay. Mm-hmm. The run defense is. I think something has happened at halftime of the Florida game. Kirby said something at halftime mm-hmm. of the Florida game, and the run defense has has just gone ahead and said, "You know what? Okay, that's it. Enough's that's enough, it. guys." Uh, I mean, Jonathan Ledbetter, he's he told you that. He said. We got a little tired of it, mm-hmm. and, and and my my response was, "What took you so long?" Because I've been tired of it for a while. I've been tired of it for quite some time. But but I digress. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you big Julian Rochester, Clint, much maligned Julian Rochester. Okay, he has not. He has not been a favorite of the Bulldog Nation in his uh, brief tenure thus far in Athens. Uh, but but Julian Rochester, he looked like a different guy in this game. He made he really several did. big plays, and there's something about that number five right mm-hmm. next to that number 99. I feel like they seem to play pretty well off each other. I, I mean, I really do. And you know, you throw in Tyler Clark, Jonathan Ledbetter, DeAndre Walker. All of a sudden, that defensive front, Clint, is not quite so soft. As and that's what I think is really important. You get those two guys sitting on inside one, inside three techniques, something like that, clog in the middle, and you rotate the ends out frequently. Keep them fresh. Keep them going. Keep the motors high. Uh, and the other two, you just say, hey, plug and put out an arm and don't move and disrupt in the middle. I think that's a beautiful equation, beautiful recipe uh, for, for a nice little cake that you take out of the oven, Daniel. And it smells glorious and it smells delicious. That's what those two are right now. That's absolutely, that's absolutely correct. The run defense is here to stay. I think some of this youth movement is also here to stay. I, I cannot imagine a situation where Channing Tindall is going to begin to play less. No. No. It's, no that no. was the thing. If he was good enough to play, he's only going to keep getting better and better and more and more playing time. 
And That's so great. I think. All right, Daniel. I think look forward to that. What else? I love it. I got, I got a couple more. Uh, we're going to stick on defense because I think the defense showed me something. It's my confidence meter broke. The needle broke because of the defense this game. What about Monty Rice tackling? Is that here to stay one game great or one game fluke? I'm going to go. I'm just going to, I'm going to listen. Here's the thing about this podcast. Um, if you give enough takes, some of them are bound to be right. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? And so, um, I'm going to give you my take. I think Monty Rice is a great middle linebacker. There it is. I think he is. I think, I really do think he is. I think he's been, he's been hurt and I'm buying it. I'm just, you know what you, maybe you're saying, Daniel, you're just buying a bill of goods that somebody's selling you. You know what? I'm buying it. I'm buying all of it. I think he's been hurt. And I think what you saw last year from him is much more akin to who he is. I think what you saw this game from him is much more akin to who he is than what you saw at the beginning of the season. I think, to be honest, we just did not have any options to take him out of the game. Because 70% Monty Rice was still our best inside linebacker. Uh, I think Monty Rice is a great middle linebacker. I believe that the Mm -hmm. starters next year at middle linebacker, no matter who gets recruited, no matter who does what, will be Channing Tindall and Monty Rice. Uh, I want to see Tate Crowder played a good game. I have no beef with him on no. the field. He he held his own. But give me Monty Rice and, and Tyndall next to each other, and I am I am salivating over that one. Uh, I agree. I think Monty Rice, he's healthy. He's got his head on straight. I, I think, think he's all, emerging as a I think all 44 played a decent game, too. Just to be, Juwan Taylor played great. I, I agree with him. He put totally his head on a couple I mean, of tackles and like, stopped Benny Snell in his tracks. Again, much maligned. Julian yeah. Rochester's esque, but I don't have I don't shudder when Jawan Taylor runs onto the field. No, I really don't. So, yeah, but I, I Monty Rice is the best of the bunch, and Monty Rice it. is a tackling machine. All right, two more. Daniel, we uh, we got in a rhythm on offense a couple of times, and it was almost like uh, our boy Cheney was listening to the podcast. Because he started getting on the ball with Jake Fromm and keeping up tempo and just running it down their throat, passing it, keeping everybody off balance. Daniel, is the up-tempo offense here to stay one game great or one game fluke? I don't think the up-game tempo, the up-tempo game, uh, I don't think it ever left. So I'm not really sure... You don't think we were slowing things down far too much in previous games and we weren't pressing on the gas pedal when we should have been and letting Jake Fromm do what he does best? I mean, we've talked about that before. When the defense is on, honestly, I thought in this game, too, the way that first half played out, our defense was on the field for 258 plays. There Uh, was one point at which the time of possession was 15 minutes Kentucky, 5 minutes us. Absolutely it was because of the long punt return and yep. they got the ball first 
and they had the ball last in the first half. And so the time of possession was strongly not in our favor. And there are just factors in a game where you just can't run tempo. I don't. I think the tempo will continue to always be w- what it is. I think. Okay. I think. I don't think. I don't expect any changes on that front. I guess is the is the best thing I can say. I do love it when it when it's there though because it just feels like the offensive line gets in a rhythm. Fromm gets in a rhythm. The wide receivers block better. The wide receivers catch better. It's just. It's just all there. So. It's but so you're true. never Kirby's never going to allow this team to be solely up tempo to be Texas Tech. Or no, whatever, he won't. You know. And and again, we've said before, we thank him for. Thank that. goodness he does. Thank thank goodness he doesn't. Uh, I'm going to throw. I, I have one more serious one, but I'm going to throw a a fake one in here uh, because it's just too good. Uh, I hope every single broadcast keeps a Jim Cheney camera. In its booth and part of the broadcast, mandated from here on out, that has That's to stay. Be here to stay. It's got to be here to stay. Jim, Jim Watching Chaney, him high five the arm off of fist people. Bump. The uh-huh. Jim Cheney touchdown fist bump is, it's dare I say, it's Tiger Woods esque. <laughs> Jim Cheney and Tiger Woods have so many things in common. It's hard to pinpoint just one. But if I had to pinpoint just one, it would be the fist bump. You know uh, yeah, I do. I do. I think the list for me stops there. But yeah, to your point, that's uh... no. I mean, the hairline is similar. <laughs> the tiger has the hairline of a seventy-two-year-old man, and uh, Jim Cheney's probably better actually than Tiger's. But he actually is better. <laughs> they both frequently wear sweatshirts when it's a yeah. little chilly. Oversized so, sweatshirts. It's a little, it's a little nippy. Yeah. Uh, they they both occasionally put on a red polo. Both sponsored by Nike. Let's be honest. Both. Okay. You know what? You know what, Daniel? My my bad. More similarities between Jim and Tiger than I knew. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right, Daniel. My last one. And uh, and this is. I mean, this is going to sound so obvious. Uh, here to stay. One game great. One game fluke. That DeAndre Swift is the best running back in the SEC. Uh, I think DeAndre Swift just. Proved to everyone that he's the best running back in the SEC. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's anyone. Benny Snell's mom, I believe, would tell you, John Andre Swift's the best running back in the SEC. By the by the way, really quick, uh, hey Benny Snell, if you want to count yourself the best running back in the SEC, you know what you should probably do when you're getting close to the yard marker not run out of bounds when a free safety is coming down on you, mm-hmm. you should probably lower a shoulder. I mean, I know, I know the count can bring the boom at times, but you're, you're talking a whole lot of trash for being the best. And you, you skipping out of bounds on a nine yard gain that bro, you, you went close to the best Deandre Swift. Um, however, here's the thing though. Clint, Deandre Swift never really has to lower a shoulder because <laughs> he puts that daggum foot in the ground and he gone. He just uh, he he's it's gone. Over. It's over. Uh, Daniel Hudson. I was I was watching this game uh, later on. I rewatched it, and Hudson was watching it with me, my son. And he said this. He said, "Hey, Dad, uh, that's Swift, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, son. It was it was his touchdown run, the <laughs> touchdown run that is all seared in our minds. The, the single greatest run of the entire season. Yes, 
where Friends. three Kentucky players mm. w- were on skates and slid past him as he what did happened? one foot. But what happened to those last two Kentucky players, Clint, as he was running into the end zone? What happened did, to them? Did, did did they go did they go somewhere, Daniel? They went for did a little they, ride. They went they for went, a little ride, didn't they? They, they hailed an on. Uber and his mm-hmm. name and he was wearing number seven. Yeah. And he and said, they just we can go, guys. Yeah. We can go. Uh, it also turns out um, it really sucks when you're a defensive player and you have the same number as the offensive player that's writing you into the end zone or that you're writing into the end zone. Because seven of Kentucky, bro, it's just so easy to remember you. Not a great uh, day. As you got embarrassed time after time again. Not a great day. Uh, so, so Hudson uh, on that run said, hey, dad, write that down in a notebook to remember later. He just didn't back down and wouldn't stop one time for anybody. And I said, uh, that's great advice, Hudson. <laughs> Hudson, you're dead on, bro. It's great advice for all of us. Write that down in a notebook, Georgia fans. Don't, don't to forget remember it. it later. Find you a notebook. Write that down. <laughs> uh, Clint, could I take a moment? Daniel, I'm, I, it needs <laughs> to happen. You need take take your moment, Daniel. Go ahead. I just feel like. You know what? It's been a few weeks mm-hmm. since the Clint Shamblin formal apology tour has mm-hmm. been in session. I think, though, though there wasn't a formal apology, I have to believe that Jake Fromm heard an apology in your voice last week for the Florida uh, it game. Was in, thank you. I'm, I'm I, glad you said that. Though you did Jake, not, though no formal apology music no. was played, no. I believe he got the gist. That you that you were egregiously wrong about so, the quarterback yes. position. Dog Nation, let me speak on all behalfs. Again, I, I, I'm not, again, I love Fields. He's exciting to me. But let me speak for all of Dog Nation because you don't get a platform to say it. We were dead wrong to even question Jake Fromm. Can we shut up and can <clears throat> we just, yes, the tone was there. We apologize, Jake, from all but of Clint, Dog Nation. But Clint, but, but... But did you see Justin Fields on the sideline? He looked like he wasn't happy for one second. So he's going to transfer, Clint. Clint. Look, he's going to transfer. Clint. Here's the deal, people. Here's the deal, people. He wasn't happy, Clint. The last time I let an 18, 19-year-old influence my emotional stature uh, was one time too many. Okay, people, if you're trying mm-hmm. to read the face of an 18 and 19 year old kid on the sidelines of a game, like, come on, you got maybe just don't maybe you just got better don't. things to do. And and the game is more compelling than that. You don't need to do that mm-hmm. is the thing. Mm-hmm. It's guys, stop. Mm-hmm. Get off also, the camera. Also, Jaden Hazelwood. Just bye. Just we don't we're done. We're done hey, here. Hey, I, look, look, man, I, you don't. You don't want to block for runs like that? That's fine. Bye. Because you know you know who does? Every other receiver we have on this team. Mm-hmm. Hello hello JJ. Terry Terry Godwin put a little clinic in session and JJ was sitting up in front with a pencil on a notepad saying, "Teach me, Yoda." Good golly, that block Terry Godwin had. Oh. That's a Hall of Fame type block. That's a just a Georgia football Hall of Fame type block. Uh, Clint, it's time yeah. for the formal apology tour to come right. back. Can we queue up? Can we queue up okay. some formal apology music? Because I believe 
I believe, the best running back in the SEC, meaning the best running back on Georgia's roster. He needs to hear from you, Clint. He what does. do you want to say to DeAndre Swift? Here's what, here's what I want to say. Here's what I need to say. And it's been weighing on me, Daniel, if I could be totally honest. It's, it's been weighing on me I'd like to think for it some has. time. It has been. Let me start by saying this. Elijah Holyfield, I respect you. Yeah. I will never say a bad thing about you. We good, bro. Uh, we good, dude. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. let me say this. Mm-hmm. Say it. DeAndre, I, I, I'm sorry I ever questioned your ability to outrun any person on the football field to the edge. De- DeAndre Swift, I am sincerely apologetic and, and sorry that I ever questioned your ability to break off an 80-yarder like it ain't nothing. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I'm sorry for ever thinking you are not the bell cow and best running back we have on our team. I'm dead wrong. Couldn't be more dead wrong, and I'm sorry. How'd that feel, Clint? It felt real good, Daniel. I I mean, I, I like a big old 350 dually truck that can just tow a lot and just say give me five six yards but daniel there's nothing that beats a one cut dagger that makes you feel incompetent as a player where you feel like i can't even get he's a ghost i can't even get hands on him to do anything about it that's demoralizing in a totally different way so it felt really good to to get off my chest and tell Tell Mr. Swift. By the way, no longer when I say Mr. Swift, I ain't talking about his dad. I'm, I'm talking about DeAndre from here on out. Mm-hmm. You won't say that to his dad's face. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Do I do I want to continue living? That's not uh, the play before the 80 yard. Uh, just ice the the ice mm. the game empty the stands run. Mm-hmm. Good mm-hmm. God. The play before that was a first down play. You know who the running back on that play was? Who was that? It was it was Brian Harrion. Mm-hmm. And was. I was losing my mind, Clint. I was losing got, my mind. He got three or four yards. He got about like he got about four four or five yards. He had a great mm-hmm. he had a decent little run. And I was losing my mind saying, we have to put this game away. This Why is, is a drive there? to put this game away. I need to see DeAndre Swift in the game. Sure enough, second down, mm. there he is. And mm. then second down, there he goes. And mm-hmm. the game is over. Gosh, it's fantastic. Elijah Holyfield is a great running back. And he's a great he compliment. Is. To the best running back on our roster. That that is well said. Again, uh, fifty six of Kentucky went for a ride on the Holyfield Express into the end mm-hmm. zone. Yeah, he did. Uh, which yeah, he did. was he. It was. I mean, Elijah just willed himself those last two or three yards, and it was magnificent to see. And if he was our running back, people, Dog Nation, if Elijah Holyfield's our running back, you feel okay, you feel good. But then you get like. Swift comes in, number seven comes in off off the sideline, and you just stand up because you think to yourself, "Oh dang, something about to happen." It's a home. He's a home run back, man. He is a home run back. I'll I'll never get over that that first touchdown run. 
you had in this game. I'll never, I'll never. I will write it down in a notebook, and I will look at it. I will read about it every day. <laughs> um, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball, Clint. Can we talk about a little guy I like to call Trey Hill? Can we okay. talk about that guy? Is okay. that a, is that a guy that we need to talk about? We because need to talk about it, Daniel. Did we come into this game with significant injuries on the offensive line? Answer me that. But, by the way, really quick, when Cade Mays went down holding his left arm, I, I didn't breathe for two minutes straight. <laughs> that was not a pleasant experience. No. But we less have... pleasant, objectively speaking, what should have been more catastrophic, objectively yes. speaking, was when on the first series of the game— out of the gates, our people. Our best offensive lineman, our most consistent yes. offensive lineman, goes down with what would be a full game injury. And in comes freshman, mm-hmm. Trey Hill. True freshman, Trey Hill. The offensive lineman that nobody thought would be the first guard slash center freshman off the bench for this team. But Trey Hill no. just came in and said, "You know what? I'm not. A, I'm not afraid to compete for a job. I'm good, guys. Don't I'm worry about me. I'm not afraid to go up against anybody." And sure enough, there he is. Now look, uh, Kirby said it was two bad snaps. The second one really looked like Fromm's fault, man. The second one—that's one, that's, fr- that's on Fromm. Second one really looked like Fromm's just got to catch that ball. The first one was a thousand percent Trey Hill's fault, and was a dagger at that point. In the game. At that point. But. Do I care, Trey, Daniel? Trey Hill came in and played an entire game at center on the road against the number one rushing defense in the country. The oh, wait, number on, one that. scoring defense in the country. There you go. Say, say that again, Dan, because I don't think people understand. Again, it's Kentucky. I get it. But statistically against opponents on the field, this is the best running defense and scoring defense there is not just in the sec in the country mississippi state had 50 some rushing yards against kentucky correct 50 some yep that's a freshman center yep does he have anything to worry about other than blocking people at center clint is that a position where you have to worry about other things other than just trying to block the guy straight in front of you do you have to, I don't know, know all the protections and mm-hmm. all the defensive alignments and you mean all the, the right side and the positions? left side? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you have to? You have to know where seven different players are on every single play and what uh-huh. you anticipate them to do. And he came in and anchored an anchored offensive line right. that was. I mean, how are you going to describe this offensive line in this game, Clint? Uh, uh, I I can't because all I want to do is brim ear to ear with a smile. That's all. I, so I can't I can't answer. You're just going to see me looking like a a clown, like a moron, smiling back at you. Let me ask you this, Clint. Uh, Josh Allen is the greatest player in the history of players. Hey, by the, the way, greatest, Spears. Greatest. Spears, foot- you don't. Greatest football player of all time. Okay. He is Roquan Smith, only good at football, according Mm -hmm. to everyone. Mm -hmm. Did he have a sack in this game, Clint? Uh, 
when I, before the game, I said, who's their best player? Let me get, and I looked for 41 on the field in key situations. Much to my uh, amazement, Daniel, I, I didn't see him showing up much at all. Listen, he had two fumble recoveries. Did he force either of those fumbles or were they just nope. laid there on the ground That's waiting all they were. for him to fall on them? Like a little kid Easter egg hunt. The only time he touched Jake Fromm was when Jake Fromm was trying to recover the same fumble he was. Correct. That was it. Coming into this game, Clint, I believe I heard that Josh Allen has the same number of sacks as the entire Georgia defense. Yep. Is that still true? No. Oh, no. No, no that ain't no, still no. true. Because we had four five sacks in mm-hmm. this game. Josh Allen didn't even sniff a quarterback. Nope. In this game. <clears throat> but the running game. So the offensive line, dominant in pass protection. But the running game, Clint. Ooh. 300 yards rushing against a team that supposedly... Based on everything I'm hearing, you, nobody runs the ball against them. My favorite part of this game. So the first time I watched through, like I said, I, I had to have I was I had to go radio silent. It was on mute. This morning I watched it again, and uh, got to got to hear our stupid booth. CBS, by the way, only employs morons in the booth. My like you word, thought- that's the that's the B team. Clint. That's the BT. And listen, I got reprimanded by one of our listeners because I was complaining about this booth. And he reminded how, how me he reminded me that we were watching Georgia football on CBS and not listening to Gary Danielson. And so well, I needed to count my blessings. And point. listen, I take criticism. Sometimes you need to know when you when somebody needs to speak the truth to you. <laughs> and and this then this individual did speak speak the truth in love to me. And and listen, I I repent for that. Good for, for you, Rick Daniel. Neuheisel wouldn't know a football if it hit him in the colon. Did you know Rick Neuheisel when he started the game? Do you know what his critique on Jake Fromm was? Do you remember his little statistic that he threw? He said his weakness. Was there a graphic of a cartoon caricature Rick Neuheisel next to this? Because when that comes up on the it. screen, Clint, I shut it all down. Yeah. I just yeah. I, So no, uh, I do not know what he said. Daniel, that's the smartest thing that one could do. When you see cartoon Rick Neuheisel, also, when you see a guitar in Rick Neuheisel's hand, turn it off. Just this is turn it com- off, people. This is a comedy show, this CBS uh, booth. It's, well, what, 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 did, what did old Rick, evaluator of talent, have to say about Rick, Jake Fromm? Rick Neuheisel said that Jake Fromm's weakness is ball security, Daniel, because... I don't know if you know this. He must have something like eight, nine, ten interceptions on the year. Oh, oh, wait, Rick, he's got four. Hmm. Ball four. security. Ball security, though, with four. Also, um, are you excited, Clint, when for Justin Fields to throw his first collegiate pass? <laughs> uh, because Rick was, my goodness. Rick was very excited about it, um, which which only makes me wonder if he's if he saw it when it happened How eight weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, like eight weeks ago. Yep. So but Rick was very excited about that uh, moment when Justin Fields would throw his first collegiate pass. Yeah. Rick Neuheisel also very excited uh speaking about the recruiting coup 
that Kentucky got in our boy 41 Allen out of Alabama, out of Georgia, out of all these good schools, up to Kentucky. Um, and he said that around the time that DeAndre Swift put his foot in the ground and went up field, nothing. <laughs> Do you know what was really, really odd and absent from that? Uh, Rick speaking at all mm. during that run. It was it was fairly odd to me that Rick shut his mouth during that point. Gosh, this booth was cheering for Kentucky so hard. So hard, Daniel. They were caught up in the emotion of the moment. They, I mean, just, they were painted up and ready to go. It broke their hearts. It really when, did. Oh, gosh, I can't. I can't with the booth. Um, no. Can we talk okay, about one we, more thing about the offense real quick? Please do. Can we talk about number eight and number nine? Okay, How do you Daniel, feel about please. number eight and number nine? Hey, Daniel. Uh, by the way, there's this new hotline that I want to start. Uh, and it's <laughs> Is it related it's, to the DeAndre Baker make out your will? Hotline? <laughs> yeah. So we have a hotline. If you want to make out your will, DeAndre Baker would be happy to uh, assist you in that. As you approach him, the uh, law firm of Daniel, Clint, and Locks would make out your will before you go against him. But no, Daniel, this hotline is uh, 1-800-I-NEED-A-FIRST-DOWN. And you mm-hmm. just go ahead and you you dial up old JJ over there. And you you go ahead, give him a call, and he'll say, oh, how much you need? Eight? Nine, eleven, what? 13. What is it? Thir- sure. I, I okay. You just tell me the down and distance, and I'll I'll pick up that first down for you. He's a big. That's a big time wide receiver over there, man. That number nine. He's so big time. That's Daniel. a big time wide receiver. Did McCall have a catch in this game? I can't remember. I can't remember one. Had a big punt return. Oh, I can't remember. Ever. I can't remember a catch. I know 18 nope. had a catch for a touchdown. Rick Neuheisel said, and I quote, mm-hmm. since the second half of the Florida game, he's become Jake Fromm's favorite target. Now, this was said on the first drive of the Kentucky game, meaning <laughs> that Rick Neuheisel was saying <laughs> for two quarters, <laughs> yeah, yep. he's become Jake Fromm. So, great analysis, Rick. He did not have a catch the rest of the game. Uh, so... No, you know, no, he didn't. Whatever. Uh, okay. Gosh, those two wide receivers on the outside—they just caught everything, though. Everything. There was there was one ball JJ had slipped through his fingertips. It was a little high, but I'm not going to blame Jake. That's totally JJ's catchable ball. He should have come down with it. Other than that, he had a just perfect game. Perfect game. I'm really starting to like those two guys a lot. I'm really starting um, to. Feel, they're just bullying corners out there. They are just bullying corners and again the booth love to be talking about how how big and physical kentucky's corners were and then riley ridley catch a ball and mm-hmm. it's like yeah that did he get corner, stopped daniel corners just trying to shoo him out of bounds he's not even because yes. that that ridley had one catch where he broke an arm tackle and he ran for about 10 12 more yards was that on the right hash? It was. Or was that – it was on the right hash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big down. He caught the ball short of the line. Mm-hmm. But he broke that tackle. And just, he, they're just out there bullying corners. They're just big and physical. They've got great hands. I really love these wide receivers. They're fantastic. Also, and listen, I'm not here to just poke the bear. And I'm not here to upset you, Georgia fan, if, if – 
if this is your favorite player, I'm not sure how it could possibly be your favorite player, other than you just got it in your head. You watch too many YouTube videos. <laughs> but does anyone thoughts and prayer? Can we just thoughts and prayers, T's and P's for Demetrius Robertson? Can we just? Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Do you remember when I, he was something? Uh, for for one play and then another play where they faked it to him and then another play where they tried the same exact end around. You, Those are the three plays that describe D Rob's season. Thoughts and prayers. Yep. Have fun, bro. Thoughts How many prayers. transfers do you get in a collegiate career? <clears throat> Not sure. Not yeah. sure. Uh, anyway, I love our wide receivers. I'm a big fan. Love them. Love them. Let me talk about one other thing on on offense for these guys because this was, to me, again, going back to my mea culpa on Fromm and Swift, uh, there was, down in the end zone, we were going in, Jake Fromm gets back to pass, uh, and it was a missed read. I think somebody was supposed to run a little bit more deeper uh, slant or post, uh, and Jake Fromm gets lit up by number eight of Kentucky. Just, Jake Fromm gets murdered. Uh, and he pops up he, and when I say he pops up, he, I literally, I don't know how he stood up because the camera was like head because number eight was feeling all big, like showing the camera. And then just behind him, Jake Fromm pops up and looks to the sideline. Like nothing happened like a mm-hmm. gopher. Uh, his face didn't grimace. And the next play was a drop back where he was trying to hit, I think Ridley in the back corner of the, of the end zone. And he overthrew it a bit. He, he wanted to have it back. Um, Jake Fromm is a no-nonsense, no-frills, no-crying, no-fuss, no-muss quarterback, and I love it. I love it. Can I tell you something I don't love, though, Clint, while we're here? Let's do it. There's a lot of good things about this game. We're going to get to the big big picture implications after this. Can we just be real with each other, though? Please. Is there a worse third and short team in the United States of America than our University of Georgia Bulldogs. Is there a worse one? There is not, Daniel. There is not. There is not. We are the worst third and short team, I believe, in the history of football. Correct. And listen. Correct. It is documented now for an entire season. You need not look to one game or two games Or three games. You need just look to an entire season of games. Clint, I'm I'm ready to make a definitive statement. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jake Fromm finally pulled the ball on his own read. And listen, give Jim Chaney credit because you know for a fact that he told Fromm at halftime to do that. To pull you got you got to pull it, bro. Know for a fact that he saw yeah. it in the booth and he did that. Okay, so give Jim Cheney credit. I know Kirby was yelling at him probably on the headset and whatever. That's funny. <laughs> By the but, way, really quick, my favorite picture is when Kirby puts his hand over the headset mic mm-hmm. and grabs his his visor because he knows he's about to lose it, screaming so loud, and then. Yeah. Let's lose. That's my favorite. He starts okay. grabbing yeah. loose articles of clothing so that they don't just go shooting off of his body. That's yes. what he, you can tell that's what he's doing. He's just trying to hold on to something because he feels like the energy is just about to. Okay, so Fromm finally kept it. 
and he yeah. scored a touchdown. Do you remember, Clint? He scored a touchdown. I, oh, I do. I just need to say definitively, Justin Fields needs to play, be on the field on every third and short. Every single one. For the rest of time. Jake Fromm, because you're good why? at a lot of things, bro, but you are not good at all on third and short. Why? Why? There's something about our offensive line that they just, they can't, they can't play against a goal line defense. They cannot no. play. They cannot move. They cannot get any movement. Our running backs cannot have any vision. Nothing no. that we try will work. Except, do you know what will work? Mm-hmm. Justin Fields keep works. The very Guys, first play been, Justin it's been Fields documented. Very first play Justin Fields touched in Kentucky. I knew. You knew. They I'm knew. pretty sure Kentucky D knew. He is running off tackle right. And Justin Fields, I think, maybe signed something to him. And they still couldn't stop him for six, seven yards, Daniel. They couldn't. You run the little zone read on third and short with Holyfield and Justin Fields. And if it gets stopped, I will get on this podcast and apologize to Jake Fromm's aunt and whoever else I need to apologize to. But Justin Fields has to be playing on third and short. It's, it is the biggest deficiency of our team and it's not close right now no no it is Um, absolutely infuriating to watch it's glaring Uh, also how come i picture jake Fromm's aunt as a librarian jake Fromm's aunt is is in fact a librarian at a middle school i believe if that's does that sound right that sounds dead on Sounds like uh, at, at some place in a city that even you haven't heard of. Yeah, she drives a Ford Taurus. 100%. There's not a doubt in my mind. No. Um, uh, all right, Clint, here's, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a two, this is a two-part question. Okay. One, part one, how significant is it that we have won the SEC East again? And part two, should we talk about Alabama right now? Okay. Both to me, as this podcast has gone on, has become increasingly easier to answer. Okay. First question. The significance of the SEC East. Hey, hey, dog fan. This is the new standard. This is the new expectation SEC is on notice. Everyone's on notice. The nation is on notice. We own this division because winning it twice in a row. Uh, hey, you you know who's not vying for the West Crown this year, Daniel? Auburn. No. They they ain't even close, Daniel. Talk about falling off a cliff. Uh. When you go back-to-back in the SEC, you're creating a new standard, and you are creating a culture that is so significant that the games you must win, you have to win, you do win. This is a huge, huge implication win for the program. It's huge. I couldn't agree more. It's not because just because it's the new standard doesn't make it less significant each time you do it. It makes it more significant. 
Correct. Because all you're doing is cementing the... Let me ask you this, Clint. Are we going to be better next year or worse next year than we are this year? Uh, we, you mean when we return 20 out of 22 guys? Yeah. And the coaching? Yeah. When we have, have 60-plus sophomores and juniors instead of 60-plus freshmen and sophomores from the 100%. number one and number three recruiting classes in the country, respectively? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we ain't getting worse, dog fans. Nope. We're not going away. And so winning the SEC East this year is a hugely significant, and not only that, but the way we won it. We didn't backdoor into this thing, okay? We went out and we beat every team in the East on our schedule for two years in a row. Correct. That's it. Nobody's guys. Nobody's talking. Nobody has a beef. Nobody has a dispute about who the best team in the East is. Because nope. nobody beat us. Well, there's one, there's one guy that has a beef with that, Daniel, but we'll he get to a, him later. He got a beef. <laughs> he, he got, got a beef, beef about a lot of things. <laughs> Doesn't he? We're going to get to him later. Second part of the question, Clint. Uh, we're playing Alabama. It's a rematch. It's a big deal, I guess you could say. Sure. Should we talk? Should we be talking about Alabama right now? No. Stop. Now. No. Nobody talk about Alabama. We have this week Auburn. We have UMass. We have Georgia Tech. Don't talk to me about Alabama. Don't talk about the matchups. Don't talk about our number one pass defense against their passing offense. I don't want to talk about Bama at all until the week before. Stop now. You know what I love, though? I love that Alabama won this game because while you're absolutely right, there are two full-time employees of the University of Georgia football program, at least, Mm-hmm. Who are going to do nothing the next mm-hmm. month but watch tape on Alabama? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and listen, don't get don't get carried away. That's the, the same thing is true of Alabama. Yes, for Georgia, we're not the only unique okay. programs so, like this do this all the time. But they know we but, get the chance to do it. Yeah, but I love that we know who we're playing. I love that we have a chance to to look forward to it. But. I, Look, I couldn't agree more because our goal is not to win the SEC. Our no. goal is not to shock the world. Our goal is no. not to beat Alabama. Our goal is to win the national championship. To win the national championship, you have to make the college football playoff. And to make the college football playoff, you have to beat Auburn. You have to beat UMass. You have to beat Georgia Tech. And you have to beat Alabama, period. So, Also, I want to give a, I want to give a challenge to all of our Twitter followers. The next Twitter follower that complains about our ranking in the playoff ranking system uh, i'm gonna come at you I, I'm, I'm gonna get on twitter i'm gonna come at you i'm gonna mention you because stop stop it with the the playoff rankings it doesn't matter doesn't right matter. now stop matter. talking about it thinking about it stop setting alarms when they come out with it during michigan the week could be ranked one two three four five six and seven i don't and care it wouldn't matter it does doesn't matter. matter michigan has to win the rest of their games we have to win the rest of our games. That's if it. we do, we'll both be in. If one of us doesn't, that team won't be in. Correct. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who they've played. It doesn't matter where they've played. It doesn't matter who they play next. It doesn't matter. It doesn't nope. matter who we've played. It doesn't matter that we have two top ten wins. Stop trying nope. to justify two top ten wins. Because both those teams that we just beat that were top ten teams 
are garbage. Oh, uh, they're hot yeah. garbage. A so, mess. Listen, we're not trying to. We don't need two top ten wins. Do you know what we need? It, to be twelve and one. If we're twelve and That's one, it. we make the playoff. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all we need. The equation is simple, people. Yeah, literally that simple. Uh, let me ask you in light of that, Clint, and I need a I need a five second or less answer. More okay. scary game, Auburn or Georgia Tech? Georgia Tech. I agree, and we're not here to talk about it, but I'm starting to get significant bubble guts about Georgia Tech. Clint. The last two weeks have done a huge, huge work in terms of alleviating those bubble mm-hmm. guts because because I'm starting to see some things from the linebackers and the defensive line that I really love. But look, that's bubble guts time. Mm-hmm. Okay, Clint. Um, we got to go down. We got to go down to Gainesville. <laughs> Okay. Uh, hey, people, I think we need to start a weekly segment of why Florida is Florida. And we should just do it every week because there's not a shortage of supply. Let me just ask the you real quick, Clint. When is Florida Hate Week? Did I miss it already? When is no, Florida Hate Week? Uh, right now. And wait for it. Oh. Next week. Okay. Oh, wait for it, Daniel. Okay. The week after that. Then, keep, okay. And keep going until you you decease. You are dead and you are gone. It's always Florida Hate Week, people. Yep. Listen, I said it before. You give enough takes on this podcast, some of them are going to stick. Okay, mm-hmm. so just what's, ignore what's the fact. you got? <laughs> just ignore the fact on Thursday that I said Florida was going to cover the spread and I gave them out as a hard lean. Nah. Okay, nah. ignore that fact. Go back to Monday. When I said mm-hmm. Florida was going to lose to Missouri or South Carolina, maybe both. Well, we're one for one. We are. Clint, was it a close game down in Gainesville? Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's set this up. The answer is no. It wasn't close. No. Uh, did did horrible Drew Locke look good <gasps> and competent and poised in this game, Daniel? Oh, let me tell. You, let me ask you a follow up question, Clint. Has Drew Locke ever played well against a, a good team? In his whole career at Missouri? No. No. Drew Locke beats up on Division II schools and throws for for nine touchdown passes. Let me ask you this. Do a lot of defensive backs from Division II schools play in the NFL? Nope. No. So that's not going to really bode well for his future at the next level. That doesn't translate to money. Fortunately for Drew Locke, not a lot of players from Florida are going to play in the NFL either. Because Drew Locke went out and had himself a day. He carved them up. D-B-U is what they like to call themselves down there. Oh, do they? Yeah. Mm. Drew Locke said, oh, this guy's open. I'll throw it to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. look, that guy's open. I'll throw it to mm. him. Daniel, it was... was anything? It was... Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, it, it wasn't just another SEC game, Daniel. It oh, was no? A, it was a significant game was for it? Florida. It was. They call this thing, I think it's called homecoming, Daniel. Homecoming. Uh-huh. Well, that sounds... So that must make me feel like a bunch of people who were away... Now, mm-hmm. wait for it. Wait for it. I'm, I'm working this out in my head conceptually. Please, 
a you bunch got of this. People, I believe in you. A bunch of people who were away, yep, have now for this game come home. Correct. And thus, were probably all in attendance at the game. Is that correct? Were the, did uh, anybody come home for this game, Clint? Daniel, you have done two things. You have conceptually worked through appropriately what homecoming is. Thank but you. Where you where you went astray is assuming Florida fan filled up the stadium and was there to watch. Oh, because no, no one was there, Daniel. Uh, as a matter of fact, no one was there to the point where Dan Mullen took notice. Well, I was going to say a follow up question to that: Is it? The, is it their fault that Florida lost then because no one was there? Are we to believe that it is their it is the fans' fault that yes. they got blown out by terrible Missouri? Is it their fault? Yes. Uh, Daniel, Dan Mullen believes that here is the order of success in college football. Are you Dan ready for it? Mullen. Dan you Mullen. You cannot by make the way, this stuff up, guys. Uh, what I'm they about to say, think I, he's a good coach. They love him. They love him. Love he's a Florida man. Him. Yep. Uh, he he has proven himself. This he fits in Florida. Oh, he has made he, that much. Known. He works. He works mm-hmm. in Florida. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me the uh, order of how does a team rise to prominence in college football? You would think that success on the field would get you notoriety that instead of going out and begging people to believe in you, you would just go do the hard work, win some games, and then people would say, oh, wait, this looks like a this looks like there's something here. Dare I say, I know we just beat up on Kentucky, uh, but if I had to pick a school, Kentucky had done that all year. They had done good and people said, hey, wait a second, Stoops might be onto something here. Let's go investigate. Now, it turns out we crushed them and some of it's fraudulent. But, but still, Dan but Mullen still, believes I've this. To, yeah. I've been to games in the Commonwealth, and they are meagerly attended. But, meagerly. But Kentucky fans, yeah, absolutely. They see a good product in the field. They want to support mm-hmm. it. But, Clint, that's silly of you to Dan, think that that's what we That happen. is. Because Dan Mullen says this. First, if we sell out stadiums, then... We will win championships is his order of football program success. Um, do teams that sell out stadiums win championships? Is that a is, – is one a product of the other? I don't understand. Uh, I'm confused. Uh, they, there's correlation between how many people cheer for a team and the number of successful championships they have. Yes, that is true. It's just a little inverted in Mullen's ah, mind what comes there first. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Um, when was the last time you heard a Georgia coach talking about selling out a stadium, Clint? I'm talking about – I'm not talking about Kirby Smart, Clint. I'm talking Any about coach. when was the last time you heard Mark Richt talk about selling yeah. out – I'm talking about when was the last time you heard Ray Goff talking about selling out a stadium. Jim Donnan. When was the last yeah. time you heard him talking about selling – when you have to talk about <laughs> selling out your stadium mm-hmm. for an SEC game, mm-hmm. that's homecoming. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, mm-hmm. man, Florida. It's bad. Let me ask you this, Clint. 
Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Um, scale of one to ten, how confident are you that you could beat Dan Mullen in thumb wrestling? <laughs> I just need to know. Look Georgia fans, deal. if you have not seen the Dan Mullen press conference after the game, just you gotta go watch it. You just—it's so good. He literally, he literally threatens the manhood of a reporter. He does, and basically begs him to walk forward and thumb wrestle him in the middle of the press conference. I think in a, in an effort to prove what a man he is. Somebody connect this things. guy to Mike Gundy. If you want to yeah. tell people you're a man, you don't. You come out with your age first, and then your thumb wrestling prowess second. Okay, you can't. You can't lead with the thumb wrestling. They don't even know how old you are, Dan. They how do I know? How do I know? I gotta say yes to you. They Dan? don't even know your are you age. A man? Are, are you, you even a man? A man? Uh, Dan Mullen, so if you haven't seen it, Dan Mullen literally says, uh, if you don't want to win at everything, and then he goes on to, to say to a reporter, uh, you want to go run bleachers? I'll beat you. You want to thumb wrestle? I'll beat you. To which I was begging this reporter, I don't know who it was, just begging him to like set down his recorder and be like, I, I'm laced up, Dan. You? <laughs> I was just about to say. I'm not the most athletic guy in the world, Clint. But I believe, given two days to prepare, I believe I could run outrun Dan Mullen in some bleachers. I just 100%. firmly, with all my heart, Dan, like this ain't the guy in the. This may be something we have to talk about this summer. 130 coach, head coach, college football battle royale. Oh, okay. Man. If all 130 head football coaches, the uh, less interesting uh, dads of Georgia football players battle dome, the less interesting version is college football coaches. Every college dome. football coach in America. Let me tell you something about who's not going to survive more than 10 seconds in that Thunderdome. Okay, Dan Mullen, you ain't scaring anybody. No one. Anyone? Gosh, this man. No is one a, believes you, Dan. This man is a joke. And he's and an absolute he joke. Is the pride and joy of the Florida fan base. I told they are you, putting Clint, up they on a pedestal. Going, they are going to be. They are going to finish this season eight and four. Mm-hmm. They are going to lose their bowl game and finish the year eight and five. And Florida fans for the entire offseason are going to talk about how they doubled their win total. And how next year they're gonna they're gonna be competing for the SEC. Year ahead, Daniel. Year ahead. They are a year ahead. That's it. Wow. Um, it's so bad. Uh, Dan Mullen um, challenged. I, with all these guys, Daniel, they keep on doing it until one thing happens. They keep on talking. They keep on challenging until one person accepts the challenge and just drags them rakes them over the coals, and then they shut up. Uh, I, I don't know, Clint, Georgia because fan. didn't Kirby Smart do that two weeks ago? Didn't uh, He did. <laughs> didn't he basically he did. do that? And Dan Mullen said, uh, or Florida, the whole Florida team said, Everyone. under the leadership of Dan Mullen, said the better team lost? Too. 
Uh, they did. They said, my we're was, still better thumb wrestlers than you? Yes. Even though... Uh, even though that's not... You ripped our thumb off and shoved here. it in our uh, eyeball? Yeah. That's, that's not... Uh, uh, Daniel, I, what I was going to say is is that is usually what happens in the normal everyday mm. world, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Georgia fan, we hope that's not what happens to Dan Mullen. Mm. We hope he keeps on being Dan let him go all decade long for Gosh. as mediocre of existence he can have at Florida just so we can have something to talk about and hate more it's so easy it's just so easy you replace will muschamp you replace will muschamp with sharkbait mcgee <laughs> and you replace sharkbait mcgee with this clown I just don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do, Georgia fans. It's just sit back, open up a bottle, and enjoy. And enjoy it. Listen, speaking of that, dog dog fans, there's a lot to enjoy this week. But it's Auburn week. Just right Mm -hmm. here. We are right in the throes of Auburn week. We will have lots to talk about for the Auburn game. Glenn, I hadn't even asked you yet. Did you watch the uh, the basketball exhibition game? Uh, I caught a little bit on radio. I didn't get eyeballs on it. I caught on radio. It's on. It's on. Watch it's ESPN. You need to go watch it. There's a lot of exciting things happening at Georgia. Yep. Nicholas yep. Claxton uh, is the primary ball handler on this team. I don't know which. I don't know. I don't know what's real, but Tishon Hightower is not allowed to bring the ball across half court. No, uh, and you know who is raining down threes like it's his business? Which my word, hello Crump, do you okay? You do you. Uh, exciting on Thursday. We will be talking about. We'll be giving our locks. We will be talking about the Auburn game. Uh, basketball season starts on Friday. It's a big weekend in Athens, guys. Get out to the basketball game on Friday. Get out to the night game double, against Auburn dip. on Saturday. Yeah. It's a it's a nice two for one situation there in the classic city. Uh, we will have all of it to talk about as we move forward in the week. Guys, we're the SEC East champions. Come it's on, back now. to back. It's a back to back situation. If you made a bet on Georgia to win the SEC East, like Hello. this guy, like enjoy that money. right here. Enjoy mm-hmm. that money that you are now. Go spend it on something. That you are now cashing Like in. more bets. That's right. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with locks, with analysis, with thoughts, with more random takes. And we'll talk See to ya. you guys then. <laughs>